Yuma and welcome. I'm Phil McAuliffe. I'm the loneliness guy, and this is Connection Over Coffee. This is a podcast that proudly serves and supports gay men experiencing loneliness and helps them take steps to getting the authentic connection they need and deserve. It's also proudly recorded, edited, and uploaded in Canberra, Australia's capital city, on the traditional country of the Ngunnawal people. And I pay my respects to its elders, past, present, and emerging. I'm really glad you're here, so please make yourself comfortable and I'll go get us some coffees. go. Welcome to episode 42 of this podcast. In this episode, we're going to be joined soon by Matthew Todd for a chat on a topic that I feel many of you have direct lived experience, hitting rock bottom and building our lives back up from there. If you don't know Matthew and his work, I'll introduce him in just a moment. But before we get too far, I want to remind you that you're amazing. Very few gay men seek out and then listen to podcasts or watch videos on YouTube about loneliness unless they've come to the realization that they're lonely. And that realization can feel like it. we've hit rock bottom, right? The stigma and shame we feel is real. And it takes a lot of courage to even engage with the subject. So that's why I reckon you're amazing. If you're coming back for another coffee and a chat with me, or this is your first time, Please know that I'm really proud of you and I'm grateful to you for joining me. I want to pause a moment for both you and me to recognize and admire your courage. As the loneliness guy, I'm all about destigmatizing loneliness and promoting authentic connection for gay men globally through my website, thelonelinessguy.com. On the website, you'll find my blog, podcast, and details of my services, including my one-on-one mentoring and group speaking services, and details of coaches and other human connection experts, all to help you learn from your loneliness and help you begin the path back to connection. And after all, connection is the antidote to loneliness. And my work is all about what I refer to as the three pillars of connection. Those being to ourselves, to those most important to us, and to our communities. Each one of these pillars must be as strong as the others for us to feel really connected and live past our loneliness. Go and have a look at the site, especially if you feel that what I say in this episode or all the other episodes of Connection Over Coffee feels like I'm speaking directly to you. And please let me know how I can best support you. My work is audience supported, so if you get value from this episode and want to help me continue this work and reach more gay men, please show your appreciation through a kind review on the service through which you're now listening and by tapping buy me a coffee in the episode description. Thank you in advance, most sincerely, for your generosity. Now, on to this episode. I feel it wise to advise that I'm recording this intro before I record the conversation with Matthew. However, it's likely to contain content that is confronting. We're likely to talk about self-harm, suicide, and other topics that may trigger you. Before we start, please know that you are loved and that you belong. There is a link in the show notes for this episode to a page on my site with links to support services 
many specifically for gay men that you can access if you feel challenged by the content. Remember, you are loved and you belong just as you are right now. This episode comes after I published Hitting Rock Bottom on my blog on Thursday the 19th of May 2022. In that post, I shared some thoughts about how admitting loneliness feels like we've hit rock bottom and the sense of hopelessness and despair that comes from that realization. I wrote that we often want to fix, want someone to fix our loneliness. We look for the quick fix so we don't have to think the thoughts or feel the feelings for long. But I wrote that only real lasting, well, sorry, the only real lasting and proven way through loneliness is to learn what it's telling us and then, and only then, take steps to put our authentic selves into the world. Yep, that's terrifying, but it's also the stuff of life. We can never underestimate the courage it takes to put ourselves into the world and keep doing it when we're afraid of judgment rejection and receiving proof from others that we're unworthy of love and belonging or indeed self-judgment self-rejection and receiving proof from ourselves that we are unworthy of love and belonging it's not only external that we fear but it's internal as well the idea for this content came from reading a fantastic book straitjacket overcoming society's legacy of gay shame by Matthew Todd. His book is at once shocking, uncomfortable, and beautifully hopeful. I was thrilled when Matthew accepted my invitation to join us for coffee in this episode. Before Matthew joins us, for those of you who are unfamiliar with him and what he does in the world, here's a little intro. He was the editor of Attitude magazine between 2008 and 2016, and his final issued famously featured Prince William on the cover. Matthew is a journalist, author, comedian, playwright, and media commentator. His book, Straightjacket, Overcoming Society's Legacy of Gay Shame, has been called an essential read for every gay person on the planet by no less than Sir Elton John. The book was also voted LGBT Book of the Year by readers of Boys Magazine and was shortlisted for the Polari Prize in 2017. In that same year, Matthew was awarded the Freedom of the City of London for services to the LGBT community. And joining us from London is Matthew Todd. Matthew, welcome so much to Connection Over Coffee. Thank you so much. Can you send me a coffee? No, yeah. <laughs> Well, well, you did say, and this this is this is very British, uh, you know, at least to, to to my Australian sort of understanding of, of of things British. But you do have a cup of tea uh, with you. I'll, I'll accept tea. tea. I, yeah, I, I do drink coffee mostly, actually. But I always, I, I'm a slightly obsessive uh, creature of habit, and have one cup of tea and then move on to coffee. So this is my tea. <laughs> See, well, you know, um, uh, while we're sharing this, uh, I'm like strictly coffee in the morning. Uh, when I wake up, it's like, you know, I, I put my head under the coffee machine and, and essentially do a coffee layback um, before I am actually able to, to you know, be feel any way human. Uh, but strictly after lunch, it's tea. Uh, and um, yeah, no, it's, it's you know, tea is like the, 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 the beverage of the afternoon for me. 
Um, and pardon. Makes more sense that way, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah, and and you know, but also you know, almost the the the. Uh, I don't know about you, but I'm not sort of down for like the fancy teas. Oh no, no, I don't like that. We call it build. We call it builders. Yeah, yeah, builders. like a builders brew. Yeah, yeah. Well, we have um, uh, what what's what's bushels uh is is kind of like the the I don't I don't want to say like cheap and nasty like it's cheap but it's not nasty um but it's like you know the tea that you know your grandmother drank um because right. of what was around during the depression or something like that um yeah so that's that's what's in our sort of little tea caddy um like the tea canister next to the kettle um and uh yeah it's it's actually you know twinings that's that's sort of getting to the fancier side of things um yeah a bit posh posh. uh anything with like the crest like the royal crest on it you know is starting to get um uh a a little posh for me but uh yeah no i love it love it thank you um so i i hope that the tea uh is uh is is doing its thing for you this morning yeah, it's kicking in, thank God. Good, good. All right, well, Matthew, I, I gave a little intro in the um, uh, to you, uh, or of you, for you, uh, in the in the intro just before um, you, you joined us for, for coffee. But I guess in your own words, like, you know, who are you? What do you do? You know, uh, how, how are you in the world? Um... Uh, good, good question. Uh, on a Monday morning, uh, I'm an escaped lunatic uh, called Matthew Todd. Um, I, I I suppose I'm a journalist. I suppose, although I'm kind of starting to dislike that term, I'm not a massive fan of the media, uh, especially after watching some of the Australian election coverage from uh, here. Um, <laughs> but maybe we'll come to that. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I, I, I suppose I'm kind of an activist. I don't really like that word either. But I mean, I, I started my career at Stonewall in in the UK in the in the 90s um, when things were really bleak, particularly particularly bleak here. Uh, Stonewall's obviously the big gay rights charity here, which kind of worked to change all the laws. Um, and then I went to Attitude Magazine, which was the big gay lifestyle magazine, which started in 1994 as a kind of like, uh, kind of meant to be like a style magazine to be an alternative to the more overtly political gay magazines in the UK, like Gay Times, which is a big one here. Uh, and there was a thing called The Pink Paper, which is a weekly free thing that you get in London and stuff. Um and yeah, I joined them in 1996 and then left and came back and left and came back and then eventually became editor in 2008 to 2016. Um, and uh, I suppose the big thing I did when I was there was writing about mental health in gay and bi men, which hadn't really been talked about very much, certainly not in the UK. Um, and then wrote a book called Straight Jacket, mm. which has been a big hit. Uh, here, I don't know how. Oh, good. The there we go. Lovely. Yeah, it's it's a very catching very nice. yellow, yellow cover. Yeah, sometimes people call it the yellow gay book, which I hear. Actually, you know, actually, the biggest, most sound like an egomaniac now, but the most flattering thing about it, actually, that design, was that since since it came out, quite a lot of other gay books have used those colours, which ah. shows that it's, it's, which is obviously a marketing thing. They said, oh, that's been a hit. So try and uh, tap in on that thing. So that's. 
you know, you, you don't, you know, feedback is weird, isn't it? You never know, you know, people like it or they don't like it, but that's a good sign that it's done well. Yeah. But yeah, but in a way it's sad that it's done well, but we can talk about that, can't we? Yeah, exactly. And I, I do say like, you know, the, 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 the audience um, may or may not know this, but uh, I've written a book uh, on my, um, for my other site uh, on, on loneliness called The Lonely Diplomat. <clears throat> and I've, I had to self-publish it. Uh, but it was uh, around the time that it was very fashionable for you know self-help books in that kind of genre to have uh, an overt swear word in it, uh, and you know when you're talking about diplomacy, you know it is sort of you know it's very calm and staid and and you know protocol rich. Um, but I couldn't really say, you know, the fucking lonely diplomat or, you know, the lonely diplomat tells you to fuck the fuck off uh, or something like that, uh, which which seemed to be like the title that was dominating the the stands at like airports and bookstores and, and things like that um, online. Um, but uh, yeah, maybe maybe I could have said, you know, maybe if we did it like in a bright yellow color. Um, uh, then, then, you know, I'm learning this now. Thank you, Matthew. That's, uh, like, that's, that's very helpful. Well, I think it was only for, only for, only for in the gay market here, which is obviously relatively, you know, quite small, but, uh, yeah, I don't think, I don't think straight, I mean, certainly straight people don't know about straight jacket, which is frustrating because I was hoping that actually maybe straight people would read it more and, um, would want to understand more about some of the challenges that LGBT people face, you know, as a consequence of growing up mm. being told we're not valid human beings, but sadly not. Yeah, I, I, I'm going to share with you that that was the part, and and you know, I want I don't want to give any spoilers uh, to the viewer um, or or listener who's who's watching or listening to this. Simply to say, you have to get it. You really do have to get it. Um, and be prepared, be prepared because it's, I love when I'm reading, um, more so than watching a movie or something like that. But when I'm reading, I love feeling that I'm being talked to, not talked at, not preached at, um, which, you know, Sorry to the Americans uh, uh, watching and listening, but um, it kind of comes across as, to me as very American. Um, I would much rather feel like the author is like sitting next to me or in this kind of you know, situation where we're having a chat. And one of the things like stylistically, the thing that I really liked about your book was that it, it, it talked about like really hard, really hard um, issues, topics that we will get into, uh, into this conversation. Um, but it did it in a way that at times was as subtle as a sledgehammer. And, but other times, um, like, you know, I could almost tell that you were taking a breath at the same time that I was taking a breath. Uh, and you know, in in you know, if you were typing this at the speed that I was reading it, um, you're like, you, you felt like you were sitting back from the keyboard and just sort of going, oh shit, that was intense, that was intense, mm. and like, little wonder that we feel this way, little wonder that we act this way, little wonder that we 
sorry, little wonder that we can think this way, that we do act this way, that we, you know, can sort of feel these feelings, think these thoughts and, and think that we are damaged, that we are broken, because in many instances, we are damaged uh, and we can be broken. Um, and this is perhaps the best way uh, so far that I've, I've read that talks about it's not our fault. It's not entirely our fault. And, you know, of course, you know, we, we have personal responsibility, but there is a system. There is a system, you know, I was, <clears throat> I grew up in, in, uh, in the 80s, so I was born in the late 70s, grew up in the 80s in a small regional town in, um, in country New South Wales. Um, and uh, near, a, near a place called Wagga Wagga, which tends to be the, the town or the city, it's a city, um, that uh, non-Australians tend to name as like the most Australian sounding place ever. Um, I grew up really near there. Um, that's where we went to the supermarket and would go to the movies in Wagga. Um, and there were no, no gay people that I knew, uh, growing up. And as you say in the book, it was the time of AIDS. It was the time of, you know, horrible, horrible, um, uh, portrayal of gay, bisexual, queer people in the media, um, and that's what, as you wrote so well in the book, like that's, that's what, that was the culture that we swam in. Mm. Um, and so on the topic of, 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 this, of this chat, um, I think that's, that's important to set as the scene that outside of all of us, outside of the words, thoughts, and feelings within ourselves, um, there's an entire world that has, that feels like, and sometimes actually does, have an opinion on our worth, on our validity, on our very existence. And that's... That's a lot. That's a lot to carry on our individual shoulders without talking about it, without yeah. recognizing that we're all doing that to, to some degree or other. Um, no matter where we are, uh, you know, in, in a tolerant, enlightened society like the UK, like Australia, like New Zealand, like some parts of the US, like Canada, um, but also if we're somewhere like Sri Lanka or, you know, I'm thinking where other sort of my, my audience is, that, that, that they really do feel like they're the only gay ever in the history of their village um, and are wrong, are being told that they're wrong still. Mm. Not sure where I'm going with that, but suffice to say that this, this, this book is... Like speaks in a brilliant way, and I'm sure, like one of the, the the messages that you and I were were texting a few weeks ago, 
when we were organizing this was I'm like, I need a little bit of time to digest this. And you wrote this in 2017 and you responded back to me saying, yeah, I still do too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and I think this is, this is such an important book. And if you haven't read it, please do. Um, and it is because it goes to the, the whole kind of undercurrent of the environment in which we live. The environment in which we relate, we have our relationships, environment in which we go about our day-to-day lives. And it does it in a way that is just, yeah, it's awesome. Like, I wish I had better words for that, but, it, but it's awesome, Matthew. I, I, I want to say, you know, thank you from me for writing this. Thank you. I appreciate it. It's, um, it's basically, yeah, it's strange, it's, yeah, it's strange experience considering you're the other side of the planet. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's weird. It's a very weird thing. It's a weird thing. And I suppose it's funny because, because actually it came out, it came out here in the UK in 2016. So I would have finished it in 2000. Well, there were still like little changes in two, the beginning of 2016, but finished it in 2015. And it took a long time to write. And um, I suppose in a way I kind of, actually I was talking to somebody, I talked to my therapist actually, then the word that he used was burnout. And I, I think I am burnt out actually after that, because I left Attitude in 2016 as well, after mm-hmm. spending, you know, five years working in gay media and gay politics and all the rest of it. And I still do that a little bit, but I think I'm a bit burnt out actually, because it was kind of so intense to to write that book. And and it is a very intense book and that will be the criticism of it from some people, you know, that, that it's... um. I worry sometimes oh god is it too depressing but i think at the time as well when i wrote it it was so uh it felt like people were so in denial about any of this stuff and i suppose to some degree to people who are coming to it new in a way that we culturally we still are in the sense that what i see in gay culture especially now that i'm older because i'm you know in my late 40s now i just think well yeah i do think we are in denial and i think gay culture so doesn't speak to me anymore really on the whole and, and that's fair enough you know i was part of it i'm mm. saying that as somebody the editor of a gay magazine yeah. i mean i do think we tried to do different things you know we published this you know this is where the book came from from a big 10 page co- you know story about mental health so we did do kind of difficult challenging things but i'm very aware now in my late 40s that kind of feels to me like what i see gay people talking about gay things on Twitter and on, on Facebook, it's very much for people in their twenties, you know, drag race, not the drag race is just for people in their 20s, but it's that, it's that it's a youth, it's a youth culture essentially. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with that because at the time I loved that, you know, I was a youth and that was all good. But now you're about, now I'm a bit older, you think, God, it's so much more to it. And, and I suppose it's, it's so much more to being gay. And um, I suppose there's a frustration that it's not expressed very well. I mean, even uh, getting the book, getting coverage in the media for the book. Well, I, mean, I don't know. I, I think I might have done a, a podcast or like, a, I don't think I've done any media in Australia. I mean, which is saying something, not, not, not knocking the publishers in the UK or anything, but there hasn't been much promotion of it or anything like that. So in the, in the UK, we did, we did got, got quite a lot. They were the publishers are fantastic here. You know, in terms of, I was on the cover of the Observer magazine, which is the big, you know, Guardian Sunday week magazine mm-hmm. and did some, you know, quite a lot of, I did Lorraine, which is a big like uh, morning main big mm. TV thing. But, mm. but, 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 it, but it's interesting that a lot of 
there's less there was less coverage than I would expect, and I think it's well, actually sometimes sometimes gay journalists are a bit scared of talking about it because it goes counter to the the kind of pride you know the yeah. pride flag narrative, which everything's great, we're amazing, we're fabulous, we're sassy, da, 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 da. Uh, but also for for straight journalists not knowing how to approach a book which is talking about some of the real problems so i'd have quite a lot of straight people when i was writing the book say, saying to me what oh what are you doing i'm writing a book about mental health oh and gay people oh well, what's, 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 start talking about i said well there's high levels of depression anxiety and drug use and they would start being really defensive and saying no it's not and being coming from liberal liberal well-meaning straight people yeah. saying, no, not, that's offensive that's homophobic um so uh because they don't because they don't understand, because we don't talk talk about it. And I think there's a, a narrative in culture that everybody is exactly the same. Well, of course we are in some ways, but mm. actually, if you're gay, you do have a different experience. Well, generally, actually, but certainly mm. growing up. And not everybody, that doesn't have a terrible negative impact on everybody by any means. You know, And, then, and it's always really important whenever I talk about the book to, to make the point that there's loads of really successful, happy, thriving LGBT people. But it can really knock the wind out of your sails growing up not being able to be free in who you are and um and just when you were talking a minute ago i was just thinking about um if you're straight of course i know i think so many things to talk about here but <laughs> i i also resist the fact that like this narrative that you know like like you know straight male privilege i know many straight men who have had really bad things happen to them and really struggled. So I think it's really important as well to acknowledge that anybody, skin color, you know, gender, where you come from, even wealthy people can really struggle. There's many things which can affect all of us and affect our mental health. And, and, and you know, it's certainly not just LGBT people who, who struggle. But that being said, I, I can't ever know. I will never know what it's like to be a straight person when you're growing up into the world completely relaxed about your sexuality and not having any calls to 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 struggle now you might struggle over oh am i attractive or can i am i so you know socially awkward can i find a boyfriend or a girlfriend but the idea that you if you're straight you, you don't have to have this existential struggle about is this thing that i'm feeling is this this terrible awful thing which in some places might get me put in prison or might even get the death penalty in some you know yeah. in some countries i think in countries maybe still yeah um so it's and I, and I think we haven't really talked about that what that's like growing up with that with that stuff in, in, in a in a in a deep way and it's um yeah it's very it's a very very painful impactful powerful thing to talk about and there's a cost to that there's a cost to that and this like you my my mind is worrying at like a thousand miles an hour um because there's like everything to talk about um and uh and 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 this could be you know like a a an absolute a veritable mini series of conversations i feel um but one of the one of the the the, the concepts that came to mind as you were speaking there matthew was about how um you know, the 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 underside of the pride rainbow flag, and what are we like? Late May, next month is Pride Month, and you know it's you know I think three years ago in June and July I was in the US, and you know I happened to be um, 
in San Francisco uh, with my then wife and and two kids. Uh, and we were in San Francisco and had flown there from from New Zealand. And we were um, we, we just happened to be in San Francisco for Pride Weekend for the for the march. And I remember. Oh God! It's like the the main square where Macy's is and things like that. But I think I think it's like Union Square or something uh, in um, in in um, in San Francisco. And all the billboards around, like there was a Nike one, there was Macy's and stuff. It was like bedecked in all the rainbow flags. And you know, it's now you know Rainbow Wash or Pride Wash or whatever like that. You put a a a, a a pride flag over your logo, and suddenly you're you're a friend of the gays uh, and the lesbians and and everyone in the the um, in the alphabet mafia. Um, this the content of this though the like the 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 other side beyond the beyond the the the, the expression of joy, the expression of pride of being who we are in public being accepted or not, but there's an underside to that. And wherever we deny, and this is the word that comes up to me when, when, you, were share, when you were sharing then, was the state of denial that we are in. And when we do find ourselves feeling some horrible, f- horrible feelings and thinking some horrible thoughts, particularly in in this context about loneliness. Um, When we go to look around for help and support in the immediate sense, you know, we will go onto social media and it's awash with the pride, like the good stuff, the very public good stuff. Um, And so we can feel that we are even more broken. We're broken twice. We're not straight. We have had to prove that we're worthy of the same rights. We have to prove that we're worthy of the same kind of treatment of those who are straight. But then when it comes to like dealing with mental and emotional well-being issues, mental health issues, we can struggle because we're not meant to be like this you know i'm out i'm meant to be happy i'm meant to you know be you know have like everything rainbow uh around me and i'm meant to be happy now so why aren't i happy why aren't i fulfilled and i really do get the sense that you experience in writing the book the same kind of frustrations that i feel in trying to have these 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 discussions to let the listener to let the viewer of connection over coffee to let the person who who reads the blogs who consumes my social media content let them know in some way that they're not broken that they're not alone um and denial is a horrible place to dwell in. So, what's like uh, hearing you? Then it's just like, no, nah, you know, we need to, we need to move beyond the state of denial that we're in. Mm. 
Well, it's funny with what I was thinking when you were saying that was when I was just just growing up, being aware of gay people and and some straight people, some straight friends as well. Growing up, you know the kind of people um, when people go into like depression, uh, like for instance, I'm just thinking about like when I was younger, there was, a, there was a couple of people that spring to mind who worked in the gay media who were very a bit kind of, you know, they wore leather jackets and they were all very moody and like, you know, dark hair <laughs> and wouldn't really speak and kind of kept their eyes down. And, you know, so I, sometimes you can have this kind of taking the, the identity of feeling bad can um, sometimes, so I'm just turning something off that's flashing on my, uh, on my, uh, computer screen sometimes the um sometimes the that 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 the feeling of like depression or negativity can sometimes become this kind of identity that we hold on to that we believe this is my identity almost almost like i'm special because i feel this pain other people are just you know the pain of life blah 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 blah. and i think that's true sometimes you know because i think a lot of this is about being very sensitive to, to to negative things but i think it's also really important to know that what you say you're not broken you're not alone these are very common things people all over the world feel this whether they're gay straight mm. black white whatever you may be um and there are things you can do you can do about it and i think sometimes as well you have to find that extra bravery to try to do something about it because it can be when you've got this when you when, you, when you've been feeling bad for so long or have low self-esteem for so long it can become your identity. And so even though it's bad and it's painful, you can kind of cling on to that because it feels kind of safe or safer than challenging yourself and stepping out of that because you don't know what you're going to become on on the other side. But I mean, in my experience, yeah, definitely, I'm certainly not perfect or healed or whatever now, but I am far in a better place than mm. I was when it was, when I was, you know, crawling around on the floor drinking mini bottles of wine crying to Mariah Carey songs I don't do that anymore and I'm pleased about that so um yeah so 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 I think yeah it's important to know like you say you're, you're not broken that you're not on your own and and knowing that you're not on your own is really helpful and, and healing but it also could be a bit of a challenge because like I say because because it makes you know that well you can do something about it and that, that could be quite scary I think yeah yeah and this is definitely something that I want to want to explore but the the issue there is um you know the the sometimes when we when we lapse into and i'm not quite sure how or like when we we sort of go from feeling a little bit of loneliness into a state of chronic loneliness mm-hmm. uh like you know for everyone you know the, the 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 border is at a different place um and for me i often have i often say that you know in my experience i didn't sort of get pushed in or jump into the deep end um, of the loneliness pool. Like there wasn't like a uh, an incident, an event that had me in the deep end of loneliness out of sudden grief, for instance. For me, it was a slow walk in from the shallow end. And uh, some like I woke up, it felt like, and I was in way over my head. And, you know, the thoughts and feelings of loneliness, I thought, you know, were that that I deserved. I deserved it. And it was my default state. And any kind of attempt to 
walk out, walk backwards or turn around or like, you know, I'm, I'm a swimmer, so I'm going to keep on going with this, with this pool imagery. Um, but, you know, to, to, to jump up and take a breath of air and, um, but otherwise sort of get myself out of the, 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 the deep end of, of loneliness almost felt too hard too hard and no matter how many websites no matter how many um like call like i want to say call centers but that's not the like you know um like crisis support services because i didn't think that my loneliness was bad enough like there were plenty of other people who had it worse than me um and so you know i i, I was waiting for some kind of magical sort of trip switch to to to, to trip um, and someone to go, yeah, you know what? Welcome to like serious chronic loneliness. Now we get to do something about it. And one of the things that we were talking about just before we press, I press record. And one of the things that comes through very clearly in your book, and it's something that I wanted to, to, to explore in this, because I explored it in the podcast, in the blog, was the descent to rock bottom. Can't, to that point where we've gone, fuck, like this is, this is not, this is not how I want to be. This is not how I want to be. But that, that, that descent down could be like falling down a well, or it could be, you know, a very slow walk in making decisions um, to not upset people, to not ruffle feathers to uh, other way you know however we arrived at that point we arrived at that point um and for me and this is something that i wanted to explore is like the question of worthiness and 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 flipping it uh, to the question of not being worthy to being worthless not being worthy of help not being worthy of despite all the resources as imperfect as they are, that are now online and at our fingertips, wherever we are in the world, we don't reach out because we don't feel that we're worth it. And that makes me so sad. It makes me so sad to think like, that was me, that was me, and at times it still is me because I'm a human and I'm subject to the human experience damn it <laughs> but yeah I, I i'm keen i don't know how to ask the question but i'm keen to get your take on this um you know in the sense of what you've experienced in terms of you know the 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 cultural soup that we grew up in and the messages that we've absorbed and how in your mind they play to lack of worth Uh, God, well, there's so much to talk about, but um, I mean, there's something that I talk about in uh, Straight Jacket, which is um, the big study they did at uh, Kaiser Permiente, where I, I always I think I probably said that incorrectly. I was I was doing that. I've said it about a thousand times now um, in <laughs> Oakland, California, where they basically this uh, childhood um, uh, trauma uh study to look at adverse childhood experiences they basically 
at this big healthcare facility where they have the records going up for decades and decades and decades of thousands and thousands and thousands of their patients. And they basically did a study to see over the years whether if you had a significant, if a child had a significant number of adverse childhood experiences, that could be a whole range of things, you know, having parents who divorced, uh, having bereavements when you were a kid, uh, being physically abused, being sexually abused, really terrible things. Even some children, I think, had been around uh, in New York at the time of 9-11. That counted as an adverse childhood mm-hmm. experience. And they wanted to see that if, if the more of those you had, would they impact your well-being, your mental health when you were older? And, uh, of course, it did. The more of these ACEs, adverse childhood experiences a child had had, the more likely they were when they were older to have depression, low self-esteem, alcohol misuse, drug misuse, suicidal ideation, self-harm, poor body image issues, all of these things that we, mm. we know about. Um, but the thing they thought, they thought that when they did the study, the thing that would have the worst impact would be uh, sexual abuse, which of course is the, you know, one of the most terrible things anything anyone could ever experience as a child. It's just absolutely mm. horrendous. In recovery, it's just that is a recurrent theme. Gay people and straight people just have experienced child sexual abuse. It just uh, you know can be is devastating for 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 people. But the thing that actually they found had an even bigger impact was what they called chronic recurrent humiliation, which is basically being told repeatedly when you're a child you're not good enough, you're not okay, who you are is bad. Um, and we've all kind of seen you know sometimes kids when they're out parents saying you're this you're that you're terrible i mean i remember when i was a kid someone saying to a neighbor, a neighbor saying to one of their kids you're useless you're stupid you're absolutely stupid i mean just terrible terrible mm. terrible thing to say to a child yeah. so it's that but that is essentially what we experience as lgbt people when we're kids on the whole not everybody but the vast majority of us because we're being told by uh often our parents not always our parents thankfully some people don't have that from their parents but from parents, I had it from school friends, from uh, teachers, from the media, from newspapers, from uh, the law, from MPs, from everywhere you went. It's just people saying, what you are is not okay. So you're being told that over and over again. So you start to to, to believe it, you know, and even if you, and even if you, when you come out, and I think it's a very common thing, which is what pride is an expression of, you, you, you've been told that and suddenly you go on an intellectual level, oh, I don't actually think that, I don't believe that. And so I'm going to wave a flag and I'm going to be proud. And I'm going to come out and all these things, which are really positive things to do. But often the wound has been done. So even if you don't actually believe it, the, the, often the wound is in there. And some people move through that and some people struggle with it and then move through it. And then some people struggle with it. Lots of us struggle with it even more. And it is a persistent thing that needs to have, you know, it needs some work to, to, to shift it. And I think that, I think the key thing is human nature. If you don't feel very good about yourself, you stay in and you isolate. Yes. I think also as LGBT, as LGBT people, we are kind of cast away from the mainstream. You know, we can't go to the prom in the same way or certainly we can't date or not that we have problems in the UK, but you know what I mean? You can't date in the same way. So you, you're constantly receiving these messages that you're other, that you're different and you're separate from everybody. And so you then become, or can become more insular, you know, and think about, you know, uh, staying in and reading books and watching films and doing things on your own and being a bit of a loner and of course there's a bit of a cliche because that's not the case of it for everybody and I certainly had friends thank god I gravitated I went to a boys school and gravitated to other boys who were like me mm. you know and into you know geeky things and sci-fi and I think those things are talk about the whole chapter in the book about entertainment about yes. how 
we cling on to certain parts, you know, science fiction sometimes or yeah. pop stars, divas. We all know, you know, you go to a Lady Gaga concert and it's going to be 80% uh, LGBT <laughs> yes. people. Yes. Um, so, but, but I think the thing is that, yeah, so it becomes very easy for us to isolate and then that furthers it and you can just stay in. And I think staying in is one of the worst things you can do because low self-esteem wants you to be on your own and wants you to isolate and wants to present you with more evidence nobody likes you you're awful you know nobody wants to invite you to to their party and then when you do go when you carry that with you and 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 i've had this you know when you're Mm. socially anxious and then you get there and you're a bit awkward and that further more and then sometimes people do get pissed off with you you know what i mean you know if you're miserable all the time, sometimes, you know, it's hard. Sometimes people can try and if they keep trying and you're, and you're giving them negativity back, then sometimes they're not going to stay around for, for a long time. So it just continually furthers this evidence. There's some way you've got to have an intervention and and start to change some of that. It's a great, it's funny, actually, I always remember this. I don't know if you know the musical Avenue Q that I'm sure it's been in Australia. It's, it was a big, probably around the, the turn of the millennium a puppet musical kind of like like the muppets and it okay. was like with singing these grown-up songs and there's a really great song on that soundtrack called there is life outside of your apartment and it really st- st- struck a chord with me i wasn't in recovery i didn't know about all this stuff at that point when i heard it but i remember thinking god that felt quite profound because i think it was acknowledging that lots of other people just will stay in yes (laughs) and watch the same films they've seen a million times over and over again or go on the internet or watch porn and be stuck in this porn loop for hours on on end which is another whole other thing yeah but uh yeah so it's about it's about doing things which take you away from that and just you know i mean if you're not feeling good get out go for a coffee go for a walk in the park you know just do that as many times as you can possibly bear it you know every day if you can because all of these things start to chip away at those negative feelings and start to change what's going on. Yeah, this is that's that's fantastic advice there Matthew because it, it, it is, you know, when we loneliness begets more loneliness. Uh, and when I'm speaking like, you know, I'm, I'm quoting Genesis, that's, you know, <laughs> that's probably probably enough there but you know in terms of begetting and all the begotting but because loneliness puts us in fight or flight and any other person's attempt to connect imperfect as it is or you know doesn't you know they don't quite have the combination to the door to get into us and so we see them as a threat when perhaps if we were in another sort of mental or emotional state we would sort of respond with compassion uh, we we see their questions or their their good humor as annoying, and so often, and I see this in keyboard warriors on the internet, um, uh, a lot. Uh, that you know anything that doesn't agree with a certain perspective, then they're like it's suddenly very spiky in terms of their personality and almost like physically spiky um would bristle with like vibes of stay away and it's and and it's a result of us being in fight or flight uh and you know if we if we feel lonely 
and we start to have that narrative that we're not worthy of love or belonging, and viewer, listener, Matthew, me, we are always worthy of love and belonging. Always. That's never up for question. No matter what we are telling ourselves. But when we uh, have convinced ourselves that we are unworthy of love, we are unworthy of belonging, confirmation bias happens. And we start looking for interactions. We start kicking back over our life experience and picking out ways that we can construe or interpret how that confirms our belief that we're not worthy of love and belonging. So someone coming around, you know, the stereotypical bringing a casserole uh, around or bringing around dinner or something like saying something nice, we can construe that as a threat. And the irony of loneliness is that we can repel those attempts and, you know, make it so others don't try that again. And then, tragically, that becomes another example of how, well, they like, I'm not even worthy of, of their love and belonging. Well, how fucked am I? Um, mm. And, you know, another door closes off. So I think for me, that worthiness there, as we kind of go towards our, our rock bottom, is tremendously important or the questioning, the constant questioning of our worthiness and the answering coming back within ourselves that we're not worthy. And because we're not worthy, we punish ourselves. We say and do all sorts of things that really don't serve us. Um, almost out of essentially self-flagellation to confirm to us to confirm to ourselves, to prove to the voice that's telling us that we're not worthy of love or belonging, just how unworthy we are of love and belonging. Before we go to worth and build ourselves back up, I just want to cut to a short break. I interrupt myself for just a moment to say to you that I have a bold vision for the loneliness guy to be the place for gay men experiencing loneliness to come and get the support that they need at the time they need it wherever they are in the world. The vision includes hosting seminars, workshops, and retreats to help gay men, to help you and other gay men just like you get the connection that they need and deserve to help them learn from their loneliness. The vision is to partner with other coaches, connection experts, and therapists to make these events happen locally at first and then around the world. Undoubtedly, this is a bold vision and I need to start. I'm so keen to start and scaling up my work here at The Loneliness Guy to know to, to what I know it can be. But I need your help. If you'd like to help me, please go to thelonelinessguy.com forward slash invest or follow the link in the episode description and help me to realize this vision for gay men globally. 
it's time to get serious about loneliness in gay communities. Can you please help me? If you've got any questions for me, please ask away. But in the meantime, back to the episode. Welcome back. Matthew, things got pretty heavy there. Oh, yeah. One of the things that I love about your book, and it kind of, I, I think I shared with you at the before pressing record that my neck hurt from nodding. And your book is beautifully hopeful. It speaks to the hopelessness. It speaks to the damage that we can do to ourselves because we don't feel worthy. We don't feel that we're enough. But you come out of that in the book and say that like we're feeling like that for a whole range of extremely good reasons that some, all, a few, maybe not many of these issues apply to you and your lived experience, reader. But one of the things that I love is the end of the book. And it has such a feeling of, again, that, that sitting down next to me going, nope, nope, this is hard, but you can do it. What was it like to, 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 to write that? Um, I think it was kind of quite hard because I think it is quite hard uh, focusing on the, it was certainly hard for me. <laughs> Folks, I, to be honest, I can't be a negative thinker, actually, to be honest, that, that is that is true. But I, but I think also, I think because, I think, well, A, because I was kind of submerged in all the problems, so it's kind of so it's difficult, so it was quite hard to, to find the answers. Um, I mean, you know, that there, there are very, very heavy things in the book, you know, like suicides yeah. and just talk, especially the very early chapter where I talk about all the bad things that have happened, certainly in, in the UK, like to lots of people and people that I've known. And and it's very really difficult that because I stand by that. And even now, you know, I've like lost friends in the last couple of years to suicide and someone who's drunk fell down the stairs and things like that. So, you know, there are real, real problems. And so the problem is vast and it is a serious problem. It's life-threatening and, you know, people do die because addiction, when we talked about much addiction, yes. about addiction, you know, that's a really big, can be a consequence of painful feelings, low self-esteem, mm. et cetera. So there, are, there are, is a really serious problem. And I think often we can have a very kind of superficial conversation about um, the answers. And I think some of the answers, so I am hopeful, but I think some of the this is a double edged sword here because some I, I think some of the things like there's a chapter where I list out different positive things like I just said about going out for a coffee and going for yes. a walk. I do think those kind of things are really important and really significant, but no one says them, and they're kind of things like being you know like baby steps and being someone holding your hand, kind of obvious things in a way. But actually, I think it's quite important to say them to 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 know that they actually do have a significant impact you know like mm. eating properly getting enough sleep all of those things yes. that seem really obvious and aren't in themselves like the, the, the magic bullet but they are really important parts of the solution 
but also for me the the, the bigger more complicated things like if you have addictions going into some recovery or if you're feeling you know bad and you know enough for you to, to see a therapist and get counseling or you know discussion about medication which can be controversial or whatever but just yeah. some of the bigger things but also i suppose because i think the place i'm in now for you know what six years down the line since the book came out about understanding the well frustration at the fact that i don't think the the uh, therapeutic community maybe know as much about all of this stuff as they should do. And the fact that I think when you've got deep seated childhood trauma, as a lot of us will have after we talked about what well, that start, you know, yeah. the adverse childhood experience yes. and stuff um, that, that sometimes you really do need, not everybody. I, I've seen some people just go and have CBT therapy six weeks and it's really made a massive impact on them and really put them on the right track. But for people like me and lots of people I know, the problem is so deep that you really need really serious help. And I don't know what it's like in Australia, although I'm sure it's probably similar here. The services on the end just are not great. Yeah. You have to wait for a long time to get a counselor. Often the counselors don't really understand a lot of this stuff. Yes. I've, I've seen a psychiatrist in the last couple of years, and that's been really, really helpful. And I wish I'd done that sooner. I had to actually see one before, but I think, speaking to somebody it's i think the no certainly i don't know if it's what it's like there but here there's been there's there's been an explosion of talk about mental health and the mm. focus is always like talk 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 and talk talking like we're doing that is of course really important it's how you make people feel less alone and you know talking therapy is really important to discuss some of your thoughts and fears and the way you know, the head can go into negative patterns but i think sometimes when the problem is so deep with childhood trauma or whatever you do need proper psychiatric help yes. in a really deep serious way to really go in and address some of these some of these uh issues so it's a kind of so it's a complicated answer but no, no. asking yeah hope, hope is really important and, and certainly going into recovery has been changed my life in a way that i didn't think was possible uh, you know i think that's another key thing of when you're in a negative place you just think you think it's so bad that this isn't just the way what i'm experiencing and this is my identity I will never get better. And I know that's not true. Mm. And I go, no, it's, it's not true. And I've seen it with other people. I've seen people come into recovery meetings where they are, you know, a, a step away from death, you know, where they are completely collapsed, where they're physically broken, emotionally broken, cannot function, cannot hold down a job, cannot hold down relationships, they're estranged from friends and family. And you see them two years later and they've gotten an amazing job. They've gotten engaged they physically look different. I mean, it's incredible. Yeah. You, you know, I'm not saying that that's the goal to be engaged. Mm -hmm. I'm just trying to, trying to say that you really can change in a way that you would not believe once you start really taking this stuff, right, your recovery seriously. I think what you're saying there is um, almost like the, the, that, that flick of allowing ourselves to hope. That and and oh, you know, this sounds like a political slogan. Allowing ourselves to hope that you know tomorrow is better. Mm. Um, and yeah, when we're in the depths, when you know we're drinking little bottles of wine and and belting out a Mariah Carey, you know, banger. That 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 can be a really tough thing. To hold on to, to to see in those those moments in that in the in in the depths, 
there. And we've all had those those rock bottoms. And, you know, like you don't just have one, really. <laughs> like uh, you, you, you sort of have, have multiple ones sometimes. But when, when we are at that, that, you know, experiencing the, the absolute forlornness and, you know, if someone comes along and goes, tomorrow's going to be better, like pretty much they're going to be told to fuck right off from me <laughs> when I'm in that. I would, I would, you know, I don't want like, like, a, a, like I don't want Instagram philosophy. I don't want you know, um, someone to sing The Sun Will Come Out Tomorrow from Annie. I don't want any of that shit. Um, but something somewhere needs to be almost like the, 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 the flicker of like gold at the bottom of the pan. That there's something in all of this that is worth seeing worth worth like the hope in and for yeah i just i want to sort of go back to that point that you said there about like the taking of the little steps and i shared like the first po- uh, the first um uh, episode of 2022 I shared about like the the theme of 2022 which is let it happen uh, and it comes from you know great Australian band song Tame Impala let it happen and it's um but one of the things that I shared in that sort of content was the power of intentions and setting little intentions and then committing to doing those little things and sometimes for me, when I'm in struggle, and I have been in struggle, I am in struggle currently, um, the, the intention, nail the basics, speaks to what you just said. Get good sleep or prioritize sleep. Eat well. Get some movement. Like little things like going to the toilet when you need to go to the toilet. <laughs> Like, you know, taking, like, getting ready, like, the, the, the fundamentals. Um, maybe a little tough in Britain at times, but, you know, here in Australia, a bit easy. Go out and get some vitamin D. Go and get some sunshine on your face. Go and get some sunshine on your skin. Go and feel warm. Um, you know, and, and the restorative benefits of being out in nature, which... You were saying, you know, go to a park, go for a little wander around the park. Um, and uh, I forget the word in Japanese, but there's the awesome concept of forest bathing that they have in, in Japan, which is very restorative. Um, so that might not be all available to you uh, where you are in the world. But I just wanted to emphasize the point there that Matthew said about taking the little steps. Because saying, you know, you might need some serious help, that can be really overwhelming. That can be really overwhelming when you're sort of at the depths of despair and someone sort of comes in and says, yeah, you know, here's, here's a card for a good shrink. Like, 
it will cost $350 an hour and you have to wait three months to see them. Um, but, uh, you know, it's really good. Um, but it's those little things, those little acts of perhaps self-care that can sort of begin, be the little glint of gold at the bottom of the pan. So, Matthew, question for you. What do you do? What do you do when you, you know, you realize you're in like a funk? What's the, what's, what's like your go-to? Um, I think uh, a thing that's been really helpful to me uh, is trying to talk to people more and trying to have a sense of connection with other people and a sense of community and, I was just thinking about this when you were talking, just like saying hello to my neighbor. So I live in a, a, a flat block and there's part of me still, which I think is perfectly fine to, you know, just on the whole, want to keep myself to myself. You yes. know, there's a bit, but the bit of that, even though, as I say, there's a bit of that is a bit about like trying to isolate, I suppose. But I've made a point of um, when I see neighbors, I don't see neighbors that often, actually, even though there's loads of flats here, um, of saying hello to them, going hello, morning. Afternoon, evening, and sometimes kind of have a conversation. And sometimes it doesn't work. You know, sometimes people, I think I said like somebody the other day, they, they ignored me. <laughs> a few years ago, I would have gone been gone into like a catastrophe. But the thing is, I know that that's not about me. That's about them. There's a woman who lives in this block who I can tell has got some issues because she heads da- head down. When I say hello to her, you know, she, she she doesn't talk and she doesn't want to talk, and I've met, you know, so I don't I don't say hello to her anymore. Um, but there's another neighbour that I speak to. How are you? And sometimes it could be a bit awkward. Sometimes, like you know, when busy or a bit stressed, he might you know like <laughs> I sound I'm really antisocial. I'm not say he, he might rush on, but you know, sometimes when you're busy and you're not in the mood for it, you just want to yeah. you know maybe act like you haven't seen somebody because you're just not in the right frame of mind. But I actually do talk to him. I see him out uh, at the local shops. And I said, stop and have a chat. How are you doing? You all right? And it's, and it's and it has been a really big thing for me, actually, doing that. It's really helped because loads of other people are all human. You know, pe- pe- people, other people feel this way too. So they like it if you are friendly towards them. They start to respond in, in a friendly way. There was an old lady who lived in the block where I live. I've lived here for a long time. And she would always speak. And, I re- and she would invite me into her flat. And I used to really wind me up. And she was a bit of a pain in the the neck but over the years over like 15 years i started to really connect with her more and even though she was crazy and eccentric and sometimes really annoying i actually did start to have a proper friendship with her and cared about she died a while back a few years ago i'm glad before the pandemic she was like 80 late 80s and i really miss her now i really miss the the times when i could just say hello to and she could give me all her theories about gay people and all the rest of it um and also, there's a coffee shop. I mean, I'm I, obviously I'm a writer, so I, I go to a coffee shop quite a lot. Mm. And I've come to have conversations with the people in the in the coffee shop, um, the staff. I've come to have conversations. There's an older couple that are there. I now know them. There's a guy who's kind of like old uh, ex kind of gangster, London gangster type guy who's there. I have conversations with him. And it's made my life so much better. And sometimes it takes up time and I think I haven't got time or whatever, but it's, I mean, this is very specific to me doing what I do, you know, because I don't work with other people in an office, but it's made such a big difference to my life just to have these nice conversations. And it's made me realize they're happy to talk to me too. 
and it's it really helps chip away at that feeling that I'm not worthy, I'm not valid, no one wants to talk to me. Actually, people do, and they they yeah. appreciate it and say hello to you. And when they don't, or or in the past, I mean, I remember going to um, a recovery group quite early on, and I used to go in, be the last one in there, and the first one out. As soon as it ended, I'd be out, keep my head down, and then I'd be really pissed off at them. No one spoke to me. No one wanted to speak to me. It was because I was like this, you know, and you know, looking angry and. And, you know, I'm giving myself a break. It was, I was very anxious and, yeah. you know, in fight or flight and all yeah. of that kind of stuff. But gradually, as I stopped doing that and I looked up and I looked people in the eye and I spoke to them and I sometimes started to make the first move. Now, people go, hi, how are you doing? You're right. And you don't have to be best friends with everybody. No. And it can be awkward. And there's been many times where I felt, oh, God, that was awkward. That was embarrassing. And then I had this thing about, oh, if it's a straight man, does he think I'm gay and I fancy him? Or if it's a woman, does she think I'm a straight man? And does she think I fancy her? You know, all these kind of crazy things. Yeah. But the more you do it, the less those thoughts come in. And it just, you suddenly realize, oh, my God, I'm a human being in the world talking to other people. Isn't that amazing? Something <laughs> which, you know, at times I thought maybe I wasn't. So yeah, that that's the thing that really works for me. I I'm just I this just makes me happy. It makes me so happy. There's there's a couple of things here. One is um, I do have content, uh, listener viewer from a few themes ago called Business Kills Connection, and what Matthew has just been saying there about you know saying good day to to, to neighbours or sorry you say good morning, good afternoon, good evening, um, you know greeting. Uh, neighbors but you know they've got shit on like they're head down like they're, they're in doing mode um stunning example about what i mean about busyness killing connection and if we're far too busy and we're far too busy in our own heads to notice someone greeting us probably need to have a good long hard look at ourselves um and really is 15 seconds of an inane chat about the weather, like, is that going to actually, you know, be be make or break for your day at work? But anyway, go back and check that if, if that part spoke to you. But Matthew, the thing that is really bringing me joy about your share just then was those are little acts of courage. And, and you, you, you said words to the effect of, you know, when you were going to your recovery meetings and, you know, you were head down, I imagine like a hoodie uh, and, you know, not looking at anyone, but the courage, that simple act, which you kind of glazed over really quickly in, in telling the story, but that looking up, looking around the group and looking people in the eyes that took courage. That was a like just a perfect example. If we wanted an example of like the small step that you can take rather than like trying to jump over the Grand Canyon in, you know, a, in a single bound, this is, you know, a step. It's saying good morning. It's saying, um, you know, just having an inane Seemingly inane chat. Mm. Um, and I pretty much guarantee that your elderly neighbor who has since passed away, I'm sure she loved having you like around and having a chat. 
Um, and, you know, that's kind of the, the, the connection that feeds everyone, that nourishes everyone's soul. And if we're too busy to do that, then we miss that. We miss that little sort of that opportunity to connect. So I'm going to share like this morning. Um, so I work out um, and it's a very good way like this, this work, like loneliness, doing all of this work is like very mentally, very emotionally taxing. So I balance that by making like prioritizing movement, prioritizing sleep, prioritizing like nailing the basics. But I go to the gym and I go to the gym very early in the morning um, and there's a core of other people there um, at that same time. And for months, for months, being kind of on a like raised eyebrow, um, you know, hello, going to, you know, not like a, a flick of the chin, how you going uh, as we're sort of walking past. And then the last few weeks, there was a bit of a smile and stuff. And then this morning, we were the only ones upstairs at our, our gym. And he was just sort of finishing and I'm, I'm, you know, using this equipment, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, this is ridiculous. And I said this, this is ridiculous. Like, I see you every morning here uh, and I don't even know your name. Like, you are in my day each and every day. You're here when I'm here and I don't even know your name. And he's like, yeah, that's pretty stupid, isn't it? And we shook hands. We just said hello. And I'm really looking forward to tomorrow when at like, as at, you know, at Sparrow's Fart really early, um, I'll, be, I'll be back at the gym and, and, and working out and he'll be there. But I'll have someone, I'll know his name. Uh, and my partner, Jeff and I, we often work out together. Um, so, you know, I don't really need to like say hello to other people. But now I'll be able to like, you know, g'day Brett, how you going? Um, and talk about how cold it is in the morning or, you know, how dark or whatever it is or, or, or whatever. But it's those kind of things. It's those kind of things where you just sort of go, no, fuck this. This is ridiculous. I don't even know your name and I see you every day. Um, that's not cool for me. Um, but it's those little incidental things, Matthew, that you were talking about, like in the coffee shop, having a chat to the barista. Um and, you know, taking those opportunities to flex those connection muscles, which might feel like they've atrophied for a whole variety of reasons. Mm. So, Matthew, I love that share. I really did. It really spoke to me, made me, made like my, my, made me smile and made my soul happy because um, I know the power of all of that. And it seems so little, it seems so minor when you shared it. But for other gay men experiencing loneliness, that's tremendously powerful. Mm. So, in wrapping up, Matthew, reluctantly, I have to say, <laughs> but uh, um, I want to say again, thank you. Thank you most profoundly for this book. Thank you most profoundly for showing up in the world with this message. And as hard as it is to get the attention that this book needs. And as hard as it is for you, as you, showing up to talk about it. 
I want to say thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. Because it's not easy. <laughs> and the power of the lived experience. And both have coalesced in you. Thanks. And thank you for you, you know, to, 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 for doing what you're doing. Because, yeah, we need to talk about all of this stuff, don't we? Especially for um, gay people. Because, um, as I said earlier on, the culture, you know, if it's not uh, Lady Gaga, it doesn't get <laughs> it doesn't get talked about very much. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and I think that's something I say in the book about... Um, you know, I think that the, the the terms of recovery and, you know, talking about addiction and mental health and low self-esteem and all of that stuff needs to be as much part of LGBT culture as... I love Lady Gaga, actually. I'm not dissing Lady Gaga. <laughs> I like Lady Gaga a lot. But as Lady Gaga and Drag Race and all of this stuff, it needs to be, it needs to be like a key part of, of yes. our culture because that from from the very beginning, you know, like even at school through to coming out at the youth group I came out to where there were lots of people struggling through onto the gay scene where there were lots of people struggling, where people weren't always very kind to each other through to working at Attitude, dealing with issues, readers were experiencing, and even the staff were experiencing a lot, you know, a lot of the talk in the book about it was a guy I knew who took his own life and worked at another gay magazine, you know, just so many so many things it's such a such a such a fundamental part of lgbt experiences trauma and shame and and the residual impacts of growing up the way we do and yet we re don't really talk about it in, in in any depth and so um yeah it's important and uh appreciate you uh having me on i'm totally down to have this conversation because it is really needed and we need to as i explained to you um before we press record that what we deny, what we ignore, just gets more power. Um, and it's it's time to actually claim loneliness and have a kind of honest conversation about it um, as, as part of the human experience. And I will say, like, you know, you were, you know, saying that, you know, it is, like, you know, gay culture is like all drag race and Lady Gaga, etc. Um but uh, it reminded me that there was a special with Oprah uh, and Adele um, sometime back before Christmas. Uh, and, um, you know, in that kind of whole, whole sort of cut to having a chat with Oprah, um, Adele actually said the word loneliness so many times. Uh, and Jeff, my partner, I was like outside of the barbecue cooking um at the time and he's just like oh my god adele said it, loneliness you need to like weave this in uh to let the audience know that you know and a gay icon uh is um uh is 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 also talking about it um but she said that the inspiration for the latest album 30 was her period of loneliness and looking around the assessing what was important in her life, who was important, and then using that as an experience to then put herself back out into the world. But was grateful for her experience of loneliness because without that, she wouldn't be who she is now. And we need more conversations like that. We need more, com and I'm totally down for that. I'm, that's what I'm here for. That's what I would love to do. But for your part, Matthew, 
Thank you. Thank you so much. How, if, if people want to want to connect with you on socials, how can they find you? Uh, I'm on Twitter and Instagram, uh, Mr. Matthew Todd. Um, and my website is matthewtodd.net. Um, and the book is available in all good bookshops or online in the usual places that I hate to promote. But you know, <laughs> I, I'm not sure, I'm not even sure what the deal is with it in Australia because I kind of, um, it, it, I, I know you can, where did you get it from? Did you get it online? Or did you get it no, shop? no, I got it. I got it at um, uh, the bookstore when I was in Melbourne a few months ago. Uh, there's a the Victorian Pride Centre, fantastic building in St Kilda. Uh, I think it's on Fitzroy Street in St Kilda. Um, and we went there, and my partner, he's a graduate architect, so we were looking at the building and and stuff. And there's a great bookshop there. Got it in there. Um, Twenty dollars uh, and very eye-catchingly yellow. <laughs> but right, yeah, look out for the yellow book. Yeah, I mean that's frustrating because not specific to Australia, but just um, just the, just getting the book out has been has been difficult because I mean I've kind of I have to kind of let it go and I have let it go for you know but in the first couple of years it I was slightly obsessed with it because I'm really I'm really grateful to, to gay and LGBT bookshops because yeah. like they are key for all of us you know mm. you want to get that stuff stuff that you can't get and i certainly know that straight jacket's gone through there but it's also frustrating that books like this don't get kind of more kind of widespread uh well they're not stocked in a more widespread way you know i remember when when it, when it came out here it was doing really really well and so because you can check on the amazon charts as i obsessively sometimes do not so much now but i did it in <laughs> the amazon charts it just gives you a it gives you an idea of like you know how, how well it's doing and yeah. in, in comparative other books as well and so it was doing well. So they'd stock it in, there's a really big bookshop. There's, I mean, there's quite a lot of big bookshops in London and I love them, but they would stock it in the LGBT section. It would sell out and I'd be frustrated. And I'd be frustrated that downstairs in the bit where they have all the new releases, they have loads of books, which were selling nothing. And I was thinking, why can't they also just stock it down here as uh, it's another way we're kind of like marginalized as LGBT yes. people. Because also, because I know it was, it would be helpful. There'd be, you know, be gay people going in, but also, brothers and sisters yes. and mothers and children of you know lgbt people so yeah it's it's just a it's just a it's just one of those things it's one of those 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 problems it's so it's interesting with heartstopper on netflix you know that suddenly that's gotten this great netflix show and suddenly people even though those books have been out a long time suddenly people are seeing them and buying them because they've had the opportunity to know they exist so yes. um yeah, it's it's another part of it's another, it can contribute to our to our loneliness, and it's a reason why publishers don't do LGBT books because they don't sell. But how can they not? How can they sell if people don't know that they're out there? So, yeah, mini rant, which I like to get in. Um, but um, <laughs> so, so, so I, appreciate, I appreciate you promoting it. You know, helping to get the word out because yeah, it's it's otherwise people don't ever know about it. The floor is so yours, I'm, Matthew. Rant away, like get on. Yeah, that I mean, that's another thing that could go on about. Thanks very much. I appreciate it. Not at all, Matthew. Enjoy the rest of your day, and thanks so much for joining us for coffee. You too. Thanks very much. 
So that's it for this episode. Remember that there's a lot of content on my site, thelonelinessguy.com, designed to help you learn from your loneliness and to destigmatize loneliness and promote authentic connection for gay men globally. You won't miss any content if you join the mailing list. Joining the mailing list is free and you'll receive one email each week from me letting you know that there's been new content uploaded. Or for something more interactive with me, how about joining me in a wonderful group of other gay men learning from their loneliness and are supporting each other as we do connection. Come and join the Premium Connection Lounge on Facebook. It's free to join. And you can join us for monthly Zoom calls, inspiring chats and exclusive insights into the work here. Follow the links in the episode description if you're interested in either or both of these options. And if you got something from this episode, why not buy me a coffee to say thanks? There's a PayPal link in the episode description and any money received from your contribution through PayPal goes into me continuing this work and helps me reach more gay men experiencing loneliness and let them know that they're not alone too. And it's always appreciated. Your contributions are always appreciated. And I sincerely thank you in advance. Remember to like, comment, rate, and share this episode. It helps others in your social circle who may be quietly experiencing loneliness to know that they're not alone and that you are a safe space to talk about loneliness and how it can make us humans feel. I really do appreciate you joining me for coffee today. Until next time, remain courageous as you learn from your loneliness and as you do connection. All sounds that you heard in this episode were recorded at Prefab Eatery on Jesse Street, Wellington. All views expressed in this episode are my own and are intended to support, challenge and inspire gay men to consider the issue of loneliness and increase awareness of the need for authentic connection with themselves, with others and their communities as an antidote to loneliness. They are not intended to, nor should they, replace the advice of a licensed helping professional. Please consult the resources page on my website, thelonelinessguide.com, if you feel that you need the services of a licensed helping professional. Thanks for listening.